0: My monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise,
1: he did the, match. He did the monster Man. Hello, and welcome back to the Turbo Team podcast. We're recording on October 1st. You know that. You know what that means. We've got five Thursdays <laughs> in October this year, and we're going to be watching five horror movies. I'm your host, uh, Jake Frankenstein Brend. Alongside me. Ed, and Alex, Powell, how are you guys doing?
2: Oh, I thought you were gonna do the Simpsons thing where you gave us all uh, nicknames. And spook <laughs> nicknames?
1: Ooh. No, I didn't. I didn't have the brain power to do that. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'll lend you some hello. brain
0: sometime, Jake. I'm Edward from Twilight, alongside my co-hosts Werewolf One and a uh, girl that wants to uh, become either a werewolf. Being red. Or... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, this week
1: we watched The Shining. I started it at 11 p.m. on September 30th, and it bled into October, I which imagine. is honestly the best time of the year, in my opinion. It's what? probably the best weather. Oh. Halloween's a freaking sick holiday.
2: cyclone football.
1: Yeah, for October. That's about <laughs> all I got. The Leaves, turn colors. They look pretty cool. I don't know. <laughs> Big October guy.
2: Hot take. Favorite season is fall.
1: With October uh, comes what we watched in September. We'll have that for you at the end of our show. But first, we're going to get into our review of The Shining, which was directed by Stanley Kubrick based off of the Stephen King. Yeah, Stephen King, right? He's not the politician. Okay, I always confuse the racist one and the good writer.
0: They're both named Well, it's Steve King and (laughs) Stephen King. 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 It's the same name, except one goes by the full thing.
1: Yeah, so, this is Stephen <laughs> King, uh, an adaptation by Stanley Kubrick, starring Jack Nicholson, and that's really all that's important. Uh, it's about a guy... He's the
0: only I, one really had a career in this movie, you know? Everyone else kind of fell off.
1: Yeah, uh, Ewan McGregor, the kid, came back to play in the sequel, like, 30 years later.
2: That wasn't Ewan yeah. McGregor who played the kid in the first one, by the way. I know,
1: Ben, it was a joke. But, uh, Ben, do you Whoa.
2: I don't. As you were saying that, I was just Googling
0: it up right now.
1: <laughs> All right. So while Ben Googles the synopsis, Alex I... is going to take us through what awards it won or was nominated for.
0: All right. So The Shining in 1980 was nominated for zero awards. It won zero awards. So thank you, Alex. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. Not be big Jack Nicholson fans.
0: <laughs> we'll get into his performance a little, a little later. I uh, I was very enamored by it, but we'll save it for the see, after the synopsis.
2: I don't see how anyone else isn't. But <laughs> yeah, if so Jack uh,
0: Nichols, is okay. <laughs> <laughs> I see a lot of
2: screaming, kind of gave me a headache. Se- seven out of ten actor, ten out of ten Lakers fan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is the Miami Heat podcast
0: for the week. Yeah. Until yeah. In- hashtag sweater.
2: They actually had to pause the filming of The Shining for a whole day after Jack Nicholson spilled a Tupperware full of chili all over the floor of the set. Did he really? (laughs) Wait,
1: like Kevin from The Office?
2: Hey! Wait, uh, didn't he actually do that at a Lakers game?
1: Oh, (laughs) yeah, he's... I don't think it was a full pot of chili, but he spilled... I said Tupperware. Yeah, yeah.
0: Wait, 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 this can't be a thing.
2: (laughs) Look it up while I read the synopsis.
0: Wait, did you say it was chilly?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Just look up Jack Nicholson Lakers. Okay. Okay,
0: he did. He did. Can you see that?
1: (laughs) All right, Alex, tweet that out on the Turbo Team podcast account right now. So so it's our preview of tomorrow's episode. (laughs) Uh,
2: For those of you who haven't seen The Shining or don't know what it's about, but don't care about spoilers. It's about Jack Torrance, who becomes a winter caretaker at the isolated Overlook Hotel in Colorado. Hoping to cure his writer's block, he settles in along with his wife, Wendy, and his son, Danny, who is plagued by psychic (laughs) pre-nominations. Premonitions. (laughs) As... As Jack's writing goes nowhere and Danny's visions become more disturbing, Jack discovers the hotel's dark secrets and begins to unravel into a homicidal maniac hell bent on terrorizing his family.
1: Yeah. Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> All work no play makes Jack a dull boy. <laughs> Feeling fine. All work, no play makes
0: Jack a dull boy.
2: I don't <laughs> know. Homer go crazy. <laughs> Make Homer something something. <laughs> I don't know about you, Jake, but I already knew the entire plot of this movie just
1: from that Simpsons episode. Oh, yeah, totally the same. But I didn't expect <laughs> it. The thing with Simpsons trios of Horror episodes, even though they're amazing, they set like they set the plot for what they're based off of, but they don't go anywhere near the emotional depth. So we'll actually get to this in uh, what I watched in September. But Cape Fear is like one of the darkest movies I've ever seen. And the, the Simpsons episode just makes a complete joke out of it. So that's kind <laughs> of what happens with this movie. And obviously I knew that it was going to be like a dark horror movie, but I didn't expect like themes of the moon landing and like spiritual warfare to be prevalent in this film. So I thought that was like, that kind of came out of the left field for me. I don't know if that's how you guys felt.
0: Where's the pumpkin emoji? Can't find it. <laughs> oh, <there> it is. <laughs> <laughs> all right well while
2: alex finds the pumpkin emoji jake what do you think what did you think of this film and was it this your
0: first time watching it
1: yeah this was my first time watching it It was everyone's first time watching it correct
0: yeah i uh, i started it one time but i fell asleep but that's my first count. time I'm finishing it yeah <laughs> yeah
1: i really liked. It. i know we were talking in the group chat a little bit and it was like creepier than i expected i kind of <laughs> yeah I yeah. knew that it was like a psychological type movie, but I kind of expected it to be just mostly like a psychological type movie with like some horror elements. Yeah, but this mm-hmm. was like like fifty fifty on it. Like the freaking horse or bear dog scene, whatever, with the yeah. with, with the oral like that was freaking creepy. Yeah,
0: that was stuff. funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the scene with Herbert Grady and like the the glass is broken over his head and like. Bl- blood was dripping from the top of his bald head i was like yeah. "What's going on like that was terrifying yeah I, there
0: it, were, it, it there was like
1: jump scares in it i mean there mm-hmm. was maybe one or two but like most of it was just kind of i'd argue the only jump scares were the two twin girls I, yeah a couple times they popped up that was kind of a jump scare but other than that it was it was mainly based on good writing and like insanely detailed and patterned cinematography
0: when it like cut to them, that was was that the jump scare you're talking about, where they're like standing there and it cuts to like their mangled bodies. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, I was sitting here watching it and I was like, I don't get spooked easily by a scary movies. There's only one scary movie that's ever really gotten me, and it's Insidious 2. But I was sitting here watching it and I was like, alone in my dark room, and I was like, I was kind of, I'm kind of on the edge of my seat a bit. I'm kind of getting the, you know, the heebie-jeebies a bit, you know. It kind of, it kind of, it kind of spooked me a bit. I'll, I'll be honest.
1: Yeah, it's up there with Tusk for me, where I just couldn't sleep afterwards. Dude, Tusk is horrible. This, the Turbo Team podcast is an
0: anti-Tusk podcast. Will <laughs> you ever mention that word around us ever again?
2: Yeah, and we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I also hate the album Tusk by Fleetwood Mac. Uh, no, but I hey, really love.
0: What? Never mind. Go ahead. Because the dog face. Yeah. Shout out 420 Dogface. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really love
2: this movie. Like, I mean, it's kind of a staple in just general film history. Because, like, when you think of Stanley Kubrick or horror, I guess, from the 80s or 90s, this is one of the first movies that you'll think of. And honestly, the first for the first time actually watching it, I completely see why. This is a really good film. Uh, just like from the opening shots and the opening credits where it follows the car. <laughs> um, that was super engaging and interesting. And also the music.
0: Ooh.
2: The music is so good like throughout that opening credit scene and throughout the rest of the film.
0: The
1: piano keys and like intense moments were like so it'd be like kind of the soft music, obviously creepy. But then like they just hit one piano key super hard and loud and then nothing again and it just like that alone just added to the effect and like kept you completely on edge and like yeah terrified that Johnny was gonna <laughs> why does he say he was Johnny his name was Jack
0: Johnny <laughs> <laughs> I don't know man <laughs> but yeah
1: the music was amazing Ben I cut you off you can continue to talk about it
2: uh no I was just saying um. I mean, obviously, Stanley Kubrick is one of the most celebrated filmmakers of all time. I can't say I'm a huge aficionado and have gone through all of his films, but you can definitely see why just in through this opening credits and them establishing the scene, and and I think it's the entire first act where they haven't even been left alone in the hotel yet. It's just Jack going to the interview, um, them discussing, or we see Danny's uh life and the problems that he's had and then we see them touring the facilities. I mean, on paper they shouldn't be exciting or engaging scenes at all, but they very much are. There like, wasn't with- a
1: single scene where I was bored. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even when he was like talking to a guy about a hotel, like who cares? Mhm. <laughs> Even those were like engaging. It it was crazy good, I thought.
0: Yeah. So, uh,
1: but, oh, you go uh, ahead go. Alex
0: yeah, you go ahead you I was just going to
1: say like I think that there's so many themes in this movie of like how Jack got to where he was mm-hmm. and like I think some of it's supernatural I think some of it's just like realism but also like destiny I thought it was super confusing and I even watched like a few videos and no one really has an answer because Stanley Kubrick really never gave an answer on like did Jack just go there as a normal person and get murder crazy, or was there's a theory that he could have been reincarnated, which would have been why his picture showed up at the end, or why he showed up in that picture at the end? I
0: have, I, a, theory about, I have a theory about that.
1: I, we can get into that later, but I just thought all that was so fascinating, and I think that's kind of the legacy of this movie, was mm-hmm. that like no one has the total answer to it, and I think that it just... I mean, it, it even leads questions to, like, was the moon landing staged and fake? Like that's yeah. how much depth there is in this movie.
0: That's the whole thing about cute Kubrick films is I haven't seen it. This is the only. This is the first Kubrick film I've ever seen. Uh, I need to watch more of him. He's the only really like famous director I haven't really seen a lot of his filmography. But a lot of thing about Kubrick's films is like. There are so many messages and they're so weird out of the left like out of left field and every time people watch them they question like what does he like see or know that we don't? What is he trying to tell us? And he's so like cryptic about it. It's so fascinating. just about the guy himself, not even just this movie, you know. But uh do you guys think it's kind of off the topic, but do you guys think that old horror movies are scarier than current horror movies?
1: I think I know where you're going and I think like the style of old horror movies works better than newer ones because I think a lot of newer ones and obviously there's exceptions to the rule, but newer ones kind of do rely more on just like jump scares and like just creepy characters. And I think that older ones like The Shining um, rely completely on deep horroristic themes and I mm-hmm. think terrifying themes and I think that's kind of where I think that's where it makes it more rewatchable. Because a movie like The Conjuring mm-hmm. or Insidious or whatever, you watch the first time and then none of the jump scares really hit you the second time. Yeah. A movie like this, even though you know it's going how it's going to end, you watch for like those deep underlying tones and you pay attention to small things like the pictures on the wall, mm-hmm. the characters in the party and you just kind of like get more of a grasp of what's going on and I think that's what makes
0: it more intriguing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, ben, do you have any opinion?
2: Uh, I just I don't really have much of an opinion. All I gotta say is that uh, Jordan Peele makes the best horror movies. Shout out, shout out,
0: Mankey. Almost, Mankey.
1: Shout out, almost survivor of the program, Joe Mankey. Almost Doesn't deserve survivor.
0: that title. Mankey was supposed to be on last week, but he uh, fumbled the bag. The Turbo Team
1: podcast has <laughs> never fumbled a bag.
0: Never. <laughs> we have never once fumbled any bags.
1: So do we look well, into Jack Nicholson's performance.
2: Yeah, you go yeah, answer that, Alex. What?
0: So what were you saying?
2: I was I was saying the exact same thing as Jake.
0: Oh, okay. Uh what what I think about Jack Nicholson's performance? I think it was phenomenal. I think it was obviously one of the most iconic performances of all time. I think Here's Johnny <laughs> Yeah, yeah, hit the button, yeah. Here's Johnny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um I think I watched a video on it a a while ago. This isn't just my opinion. But uh, the way Jack Nicholson is such a good actor is voice control. So he knows exactly when to talk soft, when to talk aggressive, when to talk loud, when to, like, talk quiet, you know. So his main thing – while Jake Gyllenhaal has, like, he's really good – like, he acts through his eyes. Jack Nicholson acts through his voice, and I think this is, like – the perfect performance when like the level of his voice and the tone of his voice really dictates how you feel at the moment like so the scene where uh wendy's got the bat to him and they're walking up the staircase he's not like yelling and screaming at her but it's a very like calm and a very aggressive violent tone and it's scary it's scary you know he's like i'm not gonna do it i'm not gonna hurt you i'm just gonna bash your fucking brains in you know and he <laughs> says it so like casually and it's like Hold up man, like you can't just say that and then expect us to carry on with our day. And then, you know, he gets a concussion. They aren't carrying on with their day at that point. Yeah, what you know, mean, I'm so. talking about us as a view viewer. But uh so Jack Nicholson does a very good job with his voice control. Another thing Nicholson does really well that create and especially in this movie create a very like sh- creepy look on his face is his brow. So his eye his brow is covers half his eyes and it gives like all it's a glare. Almost. And then obviously he has that very Jokerish type smile, too. So Jack Nicholson does a very good job of manipulating his face, his facial muscles, and then also his voice to kind of invoke the feeling of what we're seeing on screen. And I think that's what made this performance so good. And I think that's what makes him one of the greatest actors ever. Uh, that's my take on it. Do you guys have any opinions?
1: My opinion is, how is that for rhubarb? <laughs> it's a Jack Nicholson Joker quote.
2: Hey, she- great back. quote.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think everything about Nicholson's performance in this was just amazing and real. It like I, I just go back and forth when thinking about it. Like I don't know if the killings were predestined or if he just kind of went crazy, because it seems like both, and he plays that so well. And if it was predestined, he did a really good job of hiding it, and if he went crazy, he did a really good job of kind of acting evil from the start.
2: I wouldn't so, say... He did a great job at hiding it. I mean, there's obviously the main plot point of him injuring Danny uh, when he was younger. (laughs) But like even driving up in the car, he's like super passive aggressive with his family. (laughs) He's like, well, they ate each other because of cannibalism. He was like, I saw cannibalism on TV. Like, see, he saw it on the TV. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) He's just like very (laughs) passive aggressive (laughs) towards his son and wife.
1: And it felt like our drives in Estes Park in the the winter of 2018. Who was who? Uh, Mitch was every every part of Jack Nicholson. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh... so, besides Jack yeah. performance, what are some other things you guys loved about this movie? Obviously, we talked about them. we touched on the music a bit. You can go more into that if you'd like, or you can go on something else. But uh, what were some other things that really stuck out to you, or really like grabbed your attention, or made you love this movie?
2: Beyond a Johnny's performance, uh, I felt that everyone, in fact, did a great job acting. I mean, obviously, um, I think Danny was fantastic. I mean, I don't know if they gave him bath salts or something, but he did the foaming of the mouth and dead eyes look very well.
0: Uh, No, he's saying, like, he probably gave him bath salts or like (laughs) they just found a raccoon and just had him bite Danny and gave him rabies.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, Danny was fantastic in the film. I mean, you didn't feel like this was just like a kid, like having an adult, like mimic what to do behind the camera.
0: Mm -hmm. Like,
2: you felt like he actually, like, brought it and. Felt genuine without the throughout the movie. Uh, Wendy, uh, I forget the actress's name, but she <laughs> she had a really good performance. She was very desperate, um, sacrificial, yet <laughs> terror like terrified obviously, but just terrorized throughout the entire film and isolated.
1: Her scream was perfect. Yeah,
0: we have yep. a bad
1: scream in this movie. Like it's oh, it's almost iconic mm-hmm
0: well the here's johnny scream is like uh yeah like if you if you like played that for someone I, that i've seen the movie i'm sure they'd be able to recognize it you know
1: yeah it, she was really good and i thought especially towards the end once uh everything after jack was walking up the stairs like everything from there on she was incredible she was good leading up to that but that part was like uh when she was able to kind of like be resourceful and lock jack in the in the food pantry and then everything yeah bathroom like locking herself in and getting danny out of the house like all that was insanely good acting
0: i think it's we can i don't know if we're going to do this segment later but i think my favorite scene of this whole movie was that scene of them walking up the staircase i think that like the performances on that scene and the emotions invoked and just like kind of the creepiness and horror of it like perfectly is like in, in a in a scene invokes exactly what this entire movie does And i thought that was the clear way the best scene of the whole movie
2: and it and quite it quite literally escalated the tension throughout as they slowly like back away from the typewriter and up the stairs. Yeah, like, that's
0: that's what like the movie doesn't like like you're always on the edge of your seat the whole time and then that scene hits and you're like, all right, it's all downhill from here, you know. Yeah, not in a <laughs> bad way. You
2: know what I mean? Uh, uh, I don't know if I honestly I I didn't fact check these right before the podcast, but I remember hearing them in the past. Apparently, um. Kubrick treated the actress for Wendy terribly throughout the production of the film. Like he even had the staff and crew all treat her like really bad and like almost ignore her in a way, just so she'd feel even more like isolated when they were filming.
0: See, Kubrick's insane
1: (laughs) right there.
0: (laughs) Mentally ill.
1: Move.
2: I also heard that like they did the, he made a Jack Nicholson, like chop down the door for like that iconic one shot, like 70 or so times. And then the last one, he just said, here's Johnny, like as a joke. And then that's the one they used.
1: Really? I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. Johnny. Nope. (laughs) Yeah. That one. Yeah. That part. The
1: scene seen like 105 times, something like that.
0: I don't know about that, but I didn't hear that, but
1: that's what someone told me last night who I watched.
0: He's a big guy. uh, How long did it take to uh, make this movie? No. Yeah, so I, like pro- I feel like
2: production would be pretty standard because it's not like they had a lot of locations.
0: Yeah. If they're doing you know, a 100, 100 takes for one scene, like that's gonna you know, that's gonna take a while. That's like unless a week he, and a half. Unless he just breaks all like laws and just forces like labor laws and forces them to like work more. Also Danny's underage so he can only work a certain amount of time, you know. So
2: Well obviously he didn't have Danny in any of those scenes.
1: Yeah, I'd say, I'd say it took us about as long as Darkest Dusk by PG13 Productions. <laughs> we probably did close to 100 takes on a couple scenes. Just Jeez, like, how'd that go? Want to carry a gun?
0: It's the very most important. Guns ever made. Yeah. Antifus, Matt Dyke.
1: Okay, before we get too off topic, uh, I want to talk a little bit about like the coloring and kind of the patterns within the movie and how everything kind of made. It added to the isolation factor of it. So if you look at the hotel flooring and the rugs and the carpet, everything is like an endless pattern. Like, you know, in a hotel, like a, yeah. not a new hotel, but an older hotel yeah. where, like, you know, as a little kid, I don't know if I was the only who did this, but you'd like run and it felt like you were going faster, like in the, in the hotel uh, hallways because of the. Yeah, I, know.
0: Okay. And, you know. I never did that. <laughs>
1: Well, well it's like that. all the
0: doors next to each other in the pattern. It's just like the way the patterns are on, the you like, know, every time
2: you go in a hotel and you run as fast as you can
1: down the middle of the hallway. Dude, I did that for like 10 years. Shut up. But anyways, like, <laughs> and Danny's riding his bike. It's that same effect of where, like, it feels like he's going faster, but it also feels like he's in an endless loop of just existing in in that hallway.
0: And, yeah, he wasn't going fast. I could have ran him. So, yeah, <laughs> sorry, yeah. Danny. different. <laughs> but uh,
1: as as it goes on, they continue to change the carpet and they continue to change the rugs, and it is a big hotel, so there's obviously different ones. But uh, like that alone and that coloring adds to the fact that like they're isolated in that hotel. And then towards the end, as they start so- showing more long shots of like the snow being built up along the side, and mm-hmm. it even like, furthers the isolation. I thought like everything they did in that um made the hotel seem like which i think my theory is that the hotel was hell which we can get into and i think that uh it became hell when jack sold his soul for that drink to the bartender and i think that like all the patterns and all the lighting and all the coloring in this added to the effect like that's my theory is that they were living in hell and that it was just destiny that he was going to try and murder him
0: okay Are we getting into theories now, then?
1: We can unless we have any other, like, technical movie parts to talk about.
0: Uh, I'll touch on one and then I'll get my theory. The, uh, uh, I I didn't even know this. I thought it was a Tarantino thing. The zoom-in on the face. So, you brought up the scene with the bear, the creepy scene towards the end where uh, he's giving them uh, pleasure, if you know what I'm saying, with the waiter and the bear. So, that scene where, like... Yeah, or like it it like so the they make eye contact to Wendy and then it zooms in on him really fast. Uh Tarantino uses that shot a lot, especially in Django uh, Unchained. He uses a ton in Django Unchained. So uh, I didn't I thought that was a Tarantino shot. I didn't realize Kubrick kind of coined that or at least brought it to light. That w- that was really interesting to me as far as the technical thing. As far as a the theory goes, I think that so at the very end scene we see that Jack is on like the the photo for that, that, uh, party, you know, he's like, he's like front and center. I think that Jack is, um, uh, is Delbert Grady. I think they're the same person. It's a little bit of fight club. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think the the what? whole bathroom, I think the whole bathroom scene is him hallucinating, obviously. Cause he's hallucinating the, the party. That party's not real. It's just them in there. So I think the whole bathroom I think it's a whole so I've talked about it a little bit on this podcast the haunting of hill house it's a it's a netflix series it's like one season the there's a theme in there where they think back to their childhood and they think back to all these things that happened and it was just an illusion it was like the spirits or whatever the haunting the ghosts playing an illusion on them so one of the kids thought that we had they had a treehouse there wasn't actually a treehouse. It was just a room that he would sit in. It was an empty room, but like, but like the illusion of a treehouse was around him. So he always thought there was a treehouse. If that makes sense, I think that was the same thing here, where he's like he's picturing all this stuff, but he's still carrying on as this day goes. And I think that he's trapped in this house, and he is Delver Grady. If that makes sense, does that make, you, guys, you guys understand what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I, I feel what you're saying.
0: Like if, maybe if, when a like, if anyone's seen Haunting of pillhouse, House, it's kind of like when the spirits are trapped in the house. It's a lot like that. You guys haven't seen it, which is fine. But maybe I think, you, sorry, go ahead. Then
2: I think uh, uh, this this quote that I thought of that might reinforce your point was uh, when Halloran, the main chef, was like, "When something bad happens here, sometimes uh, it lingers on." When he mm-hmm. used like that burnt toast metaphor. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that's Jack lingering on.
0: I, I so I think. I think Jack's character is Delbert Grady. And I think that when they say, Oh, this family was murdered earlier in the beginning. I think they're talking about Jack's family, if that makes sense.
1: So Jack's previous family. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: It's, I don't know if there's anyone else that thinks the same. I don't know if my, you know, uh, dad or whatever backs it up, but watching it and then seeing at the end, that's kind of what I thought. And then, uh, when Delbert was like, uh, like these, like the the black guy, the the cook was like interfering with it. He's like, you know what you got to do, and you got to kill him all, or whatever. So I think, uh, to me, that's just what uh what came across.
1: Yeah, I've gone kind of back and forth on my theory about like how long Jack had been there. So the mm-hmm. photo 1920, the movie took yeah. out, 1980. One theory that I kind of um I watched a video on earlier was so jack wasn't necessarily delbert grady but jack killed his family in 1920 and Mm -hmm. ended up freezing um freezing outside the maze and then Mm -hmm. he eventually unfroze went and started a new family and then like uh that's kind of where the deja vu comes in where like oh i've been here before like yeah it feels it feels like uncomfortable i've been here before
0: and I don't know, like,
1: in that freezing process, if he kind of forgot everything and just kind of, like, I don't know, remade a life. Or he could have died. Uh, Oh, wait, no, never mind. He killed himself. Delbert Greedy, yeah. Delbert Greedy killed himself. So he killed himself and then was reincarnated again as Jack mm-hmm. in the same body or something like that. I don't know. There's there's so many theories about this, and there's no uh, definitive answer yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot of thing. Like
0: I'm sure if I I'm so sure if we dug into our theories, too. I'm sure if we dug into our theories more, we could come up with you know uh, a pretty concrete one. But
1: the official Turbo Team podcast ending of The Shining. Ben, what's what's your theory on everything? Uh,
2: I I, I don't know. I think I, I just kind of enjoyed the movie that was given to us. Uh, I think uh it's it stands fine by its own. We can just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I don't I don't have any. I don't have any conspiracy theories about the film. I just see what I see, and I have likes and dislikes about it. That's it.
1: Amen. keep the faith, baby.
2: Unless it comes to my whiplash slash La La Land uh, cinematic universe crossover theories that don't get me
1: started. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's like probably a million theories out there for this movie. And I think. I don't know what the most fitting would be. Like, I don't know what I want what Kubrick's uh, meaning to be behind. And I think that uh, so I watched I also watched a video on the differences between Kubrick's um, display of the movie and King's illustration of the book. So the the movie ended with Jack freezing in the maze. It ended with the house being frozen or not the house, the hotel being frozen The book ended with the hotel being burnt down by the furnace in the middle of the in the middle of the hotel. Yeah, and the reasoning behind that this is actually in an interview with Stephen King was, um, Steve thought that all the characters were good, and he uh, he thought the wife was good, the kid was good, and he thought that Jack was also good. And the circumstances of isolation and alcoholism is the what is what drove him to murder, but Kubrick. Uh, he interpreted it and made it where Jack was bad from the start and was predestined gonna kill them no matter what. And I think that that's where it's really interesting is you have a different adaptation of the book and the movie where like that just births and multiplies even more theories. So I think yeah. I, with Kubrick, I think it was reincarnation. That's that's gonna be my final theory.
0: I so I've I haven't read the book because I'm not a nerd, but. Uh... But uh, I, I from what <laughs> I've heard, I've heard that Kubrick's a lot of people like Kubrick's rendition of the movie rather than King's, and I think that upset King a lot. King, uh, that's King. yeah, yeah. King does not like the movie, but everyone else does, and a lot of people prefer the movie over the book, and I think that's what King's whole thing gripe with it is. Other than Kubrick kind of doing his own thing on it. So, King's uh, if you've read both of them, I guess let us know. Uh, I'm gonna call you a nerd for reading the book, but. If you have an opinion on it, I guess tweet at us.
1: I bet Dayton Mays, friend of the program, has read the book. Don't know if he's seen the movie, but I think he's read, like, every Stephen King novel.
0: Really? Yeah. I tried to read a Stephen King. I was like, this is boring, and then I stopped.
1: (laughs) Me with every book ever. (laughs) (laughs) So, do we have anything... We're probably missing something obvious that we need to talk about, but... Is there anything else that stands out that we should talk about this movie? We could get into dislikes, but I think that there's very few. I think the only thing I would have had was like actual like the shining part. I mm-hmm. didn't what? exactly love like Danny's communication with the with the cook at the end. What do of you mean? Got? Like that's something that just kind of felt out of place, and I I think it was a good plot device in like explaining why Danny could talk to Tony, but I also mm-hmm. felt that like. It was somewhat out of place, and I think that the the ending would have been better with without a third party coming into it.
2: Well, but then you're taking out of account Danny's whole afflictions that he's suffering throughout the movie. That's sort of what drives Wendy to try and leave, which makes Jack get even more infuriated. Well, cause, Jack, oh boy. Yeah, because... Uh, <laughs> well, it's because uh, Danny is afflicted by Tony Lopez, who Remember, are trying to... Misusing you. <laughs> Karen and I, as soon as we heard him say his name was Tony, we just thought Tony Lopez was in his mouth the whole movie. <laughs> but.
0: Enemy of the program. Yeah. <laughs> He's a pedophile. Yeah, we don't like Tony Lopez.
2: <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I disagree. Uh, I mean, obviously, it wasn't the most fleshed out, um, most uh, expanded on plot point of the movie where we fully understood why it was happening. But I mean, we also don't fully understand why necessarily Jack goes insane or why you can see ghosts or why even Wendy sees ghosts. I mean, mm. it's all just up, up to interpretation. It's leaving part of the picture out of the frame so you can build out the rest of it with your own mind.
1: That's fair. Plus, I, I mean, just,
2: I'm pretty sure Doctor Sleep goes into the lore more.
1: When I... When I viewed it, that was that was really the only thing that, like, I didn't love about the movie. I still thought it was okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, my negative, my big negative I had, uh, I get in the small ones, I get in the big ones. So, my small ones were, I felt the audio, like, the, we said the music was good, but I felt at times it was a little too loud, kind of hurt my ears. I don't know if my TV was just turned up too high or what, but I don't know if you guys had the same problem. Uh,
2: the... Yeah, I mean it's kind of like that with all horror movies in a way, yeah, where the mixing what, can be super jank on purpose just so they can catch yeah. you off guard
0: like that. Yeah, so I thought that. What'd you say, Jake? Turn it up. Turn it up. <laughs> uh, so I, that that was the only small one, and then my other small one, I felt I thought Danny was pretty good throughout. I thought there were at times where he his acting was kind of bad, but he's a kid, doesn't really matter, you know. He was so good overall. Yeah. Um, so my final, my biggest gripe I had. Isn't even a gripe with the movie, but, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> but, uh, I knew too many of the big scenes in this movie just yeah. because I'm on Twitter and stuff. So the, the blood scene, I knew, I knew that was in here The here's Johnny, the, uh, the him freezing to death in the May. Like I knew a ton of the scenes. And I without even seeing the movie, and I think that was my biggest gripe was I was ex- like I knew what to expect, and I would rather I think this is the perfect movie where if you have literally never heard of The Shining or don't haven't seen any of the scenes, I think you're gonna be floored by the end of it, you know. But I without even seeing the movie, I know the lore, I know the story, I know the iconic shots and scenes and quotes and stuff, so I felt I knew a little too much going into it, which I didn't really care for. It didn't affect my movie going experience. I still really enjoyed it, but if I had to complain about anything, that's probably it.
1: Yeah, knowing the here's Johnny part was coming, like even like I clicked to see like where I was at and I'm like, oh, there's only 25 minutes left. So I know that the here's Johnny part's coming within like the next 10 minutes. I think knowing that that was lingering, the entire movie did kind of take away from the effect, like especially when he was locked in the pantry. Just like knowing that like he was going to get out and get on a murderous rampage, which I think I don't think it made it any worse, but uh, you definitely miss out on that like completely first time viewing an experience mm. that obviously it's one of the most iconic. I mean, it, it's arguably the top five, top ten most iconic scenes. The the here's Johnny. So I think that just being a person growing up in American pop culture and already knowing a few scenes and quotes from this movie definitely took away from it. So I agree with you on that, Alex. But that's obviously nothing. anything, that's more just of a a nod to. Charles Kubrick on how of an incredible film he made.
2: Yeah. Um, I had a few just like small little nitpicks. Um, First of all, one of them, I thought the editing was excellent throughout the entire movie, but specific shots were done. (laughs) I know they had to be done on purpose, but they were just extremely jarring. Like when Jack sits down after he... Can't find Danny in the maze, and he gives up. He just sits down, and as soon as he like gets comfortable, it just does a hard cut to him being frozen the next morning, and then it's gone in like three seconds. Uh, that was an odd editing choice that I never really got or understood. Um, <laughs> uh, the character of Halloran, I thought he was really well utilized. Uh, he was a gr- he had some great. Uh spurts of acting, like when he was in Florida and he was receiving the shine from Danny, his eyes like I don't know if there was something wrong with his pupils, but they were ginormous, and I don't know it was terrifying the way he portrayed the emotion, and I don't know if they gave him some sort of eye drops or anything, but the way his eyes looked and the way he played uh this character throughout that specific scene and the movie was very impressive. <laughs> but like come on man they spent like 15 minutes cutting back and forth from him trying to get all the way up to the hotel and as soon as he gets there he just gets murked immediately
0: <laughs> yeah yeah Yeah. <laughs> just say, hello <laughs> I know they had are. to like
2: I know they had to like I don't know establish the stakes that Jack will kill and they needed to give a way for them to escape but like come on give him something other than that <laughs>
0: That was also the only murder of the film. Kind of disappointing. Okay.
1: (laughs) Oh, wait. Okay. I just just thought of one, like, total, like, really, really good deep theme of the movie. So, at the beginning, they mention how uh, the hotel was built on Indian burial grounds. And then, throughout the movie, there were several references to Native American culture. So, there was a Native American painting on the wall... And that was the tenant when when Jack was throwing the tennis ball at the wall, he was throwing it at that and kind of bouncing it off. So another theory was that like the house was haunted because of um, like America's blind nationalism and blind, like uh, abuse of the Native American culture and the Native American slaughter. And that's what ended up uh, ultimately haunting the family.
0: Yeah, that was another uh,
1: takeaway I saw. Which was one of the very few I wrote down, so I don't know how I forgot it to this point. Yeah. Do we have anything else, or do we want to give it a rating?
0: Do you guys have a favorite scene? I already talked about mine.
1: I mean, I, I gotta go with the here's Johnny, like the.
0: <laughs> the <"Here's> Johnny. <laughs> wow. It's basic. It's basic,
1: but uh, iconic wait. for a reason. I mean, yeah. even
2: before even before that, the the tension was built up very well when uh Wendy was like trying to stress sleep mm-hmm. <laughs> after uh Jack went away and then uh well after she locked Jack away and then Tony just starts like like increasingly yelling red rum red rum red and then he starts rum. Red he starts
1: <laughs> <laughs> he draws
2: it on the door and she sees yeah. it through the mirror and then the music is escalating and you get this huge stinger and as soon as she sees murder and screams, like that's when the ex comes through the door. It all is built up and coincides really well.
1: Yeah. I think it's the most well-done scene of the movie. It's most iconic for a reason. Like, it's (laughs) it's a guy named Jeff saying, here's Johnny! (laughs) And then, of course, the Eric Andre skit just adds to the effect. (laughs) Yeah. Just taking care of business, man. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, ben, do yeah, you have heard scene?
2: Um, I'd I'd have to I'd have to agree initially with you when you were talking about going up the stairs, but I mean I gotta keep it fresh. Uh, I'd say probably was honestly just the initial scene when the day before they leave, they're showing them around the hotel. That's done in a really long take. Like they start from where past the typewriter is.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They walk all the way on the other side of the room, discussing the different elements of the hotel. and you're able to see like different old timey photos of the hotel back uh, back in the day, assuming from like the 20s or whenever uh, Jack's original picture was taken. So if you know about the ending, the ending shot with Jack in the picture, you're able to see all these old timey photographs pass along the walls while you're seeing them walk and talk on the other side of the room and then they go out, go across and then come back towards the camera and it's mm-hmm. all done in just one long horizontal shot. And like that's where the final stairway confrontation takes place. So I thought that shot was really nice and I love that scene.
1: I love that thing. it almost so good asked when uh Leota and his wife were walking into uh into the, the dinner, the famous yeah. long shot. To
0: the that's kitchen kind of, yep. when
1: the when they t- took that right into the kitchen. And that's yep. probably just because the kitchen. There's probably no more uh no more than that.
0: Call back episode one. Yeah, Goodfellas- the
1: where it all started. Happy belated national podcast day to the Turbo Team Podcast.
0: Yeah, our tweet got ten likes. Yes, sir. sir.
1: I just want to build off of Ben'sian a little bit. And the tour is so good because it mm-hmm. shows like the supernatural side of the hotel. Yeah. I was I didn't do any research on this, but I was talking to one of my buddies that I watched this with last night, and he's seen this movie like ten or eleven times. It's one of his favorite of all time. Mm-hmm. He said that like after watching it so many times, you begin to realize that some parts of the hallway there shouldn't be able to be rooms because the ho- the elevator be right behind it mm-hmm. so it's almost like I'm thinking of ending things where like certain images and certain things just don't exist and just reappear so that's that's kind of where the horror aspect of it came where I think we've all kind of viewed I'm thinking of ending things as a horror like a neo horror film yeah because like with this, it wasn't the parents changing age, but it was like the hotel changing structure, and the hotel's changing carpet. The doors were in different places, mm-hmm. uh, and the so for whatever reason, the in the in the opening scene um, with the room where the radio is, when they were meeting with uh with the guy, there was a window in the background, but as the movie went along, there wasn't a window in that room anymore. So yeah. it was kind of just like. I don't know who it was, but someone imagining the hotel almost, which yep. I thought was I mean, it just adds even more to the legacy and the just the debate of the movie
0: uh, if, uh, you you talked about earlier how the uh, how the hotel has been on ancient buried on ancient burial ground, and maybe like it has a life of its own on the ghosts. Do you think that like the house was the one that was haunted and rather than they're just actually being well, like, a better way. So like the house was the puppet master, and then everyone else was their puppets. Does that make sense? Do you think that could be a possible theory for it too?
1: No, I think it's more like Monster House.
0: Ah, <laughs> yes. The house, where kind of the mind.
1: house is a physical monster.
0: <laughs> yes, I agree. The yeah, Shining. I mean, the the. This the, was, this the fried my brain. The uh, the Monster House walked, so the Shining could run. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They were like 25 years after each other. <laughs>
1: so fun fact, uh Turbo Team Confessions Monster House is like the first ever movie that scared me as a kid. That movie was terrifying.
0: Really? Wow.
1: Either that or Coraline. I don't know which one I saw first. Why would why would anyone show their
2: child Coraline? The uh that the movie's hard,
0: terrifying. It was supposed to be like the episode of Zack and Cody where they go in the haunted hotel room uh, scared me a lot more than I'm comfortable saying in public.
1: That or Cat in the Hat. Cat in the Hat was freaking terrifying.
0: That episode of Zack and, and Cody, I was like, so obviously I was a kid and I watched it, but I was like, dude, I was probably like 12. Zack and Cody. I was probably like 12 years old, and uh, I was at Homemakers, and they had a TV with it on, and I was just sitting watching it, and I got spooked out. I was like, I don't like this. It was like, it was like <laughs> 7 o'clock at Homemakers like, in, like, during Halloween, and I was watching this just sitting there because my parents were looking at furniture, and I was like, I, I got to get up. This is creeping me out a bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst confession I've ever heard. Dude, it scared me. That's right. Alex.
1: I'm going to give it an eight and a half out of 10. Okay. I think it's eas It easily jumps into one of the top five horror movies that I've seen. Um, it's one of the better films I've seen. It, I mean, it's in almost every single list of movies. It's in, it's like unanimously in the top 20 for almost every well-known and well-respected one. I think it's you- like for so many reasons. It's such a well-done film with so much depth that makes it even more rewatchable than not only the average horror film but the average film itself uh so i'll give it an eight and a half out of ten
0: i would say it's consistently in top tens a movie this is a very very well beloved movie a lot of people think it's a 10 out of 10 a lot of people think it's a masterpiece in some way and with that being said i'm giving it an eight and a half with jake so (laughs) i think you really hit it on the head i think this is i think Honestly, I think this is a movie where the more times you watch it, the more you're going to like it because the more stuff you're going to see and the more themes you're going to understand, the more theories you're going to develop. So I think initial viewing, eight and a half, but I if I, keep watch, if I watch it like two, three, four more times, I guarantee that, that rating will go up because I think there's so much to unpack in this movie. It's hard to do with even two, three viewings. Bam.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the reasons I gave earlier, I mean – Terrific performances, great uh, skill behind the camera, and a honestly fantastic script, I'm assuming. Although its adaptation isn't really taken over well by its original content creator, uh, Tony Lopez. Uh, I think that it's a really good film. Influencer. He's a content creator. <laughs> what if what if the card started calling like Stephen King and like Shakespeare content creators instead of author? <laughs> okay, I'm off track. Uh, but yeah, uh, this I really enjoyed this movie. It's definitely worth the hype. I'm um, giving it a nine out of ten.
0: Whoa-ho!
2: Whoa! Yeah.
0: I think this. Is the, I think this. Is 10, the first I think this is the first time Ben's had the highest score out of all of us. Actually, maybe uncut gems.
1: And we ain't talking Alex test. What?
0: Oh, wait, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bad joke. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I And we ain't talking Iowa assessments.
1: <laughs> Yo, silence. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, it's October 1st, and we just concluded a... Pretty pretty long September. Uh, I d- I don't think I realized how long that month was until I uh, looked back at what I watched. And I guess I'll just start. So I watched one movie at the beginning of September, and it was Perks of Being a Wallflower.
0: Yeah 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 <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah yeah. It was depressing. I don't know why I'm saying yeah 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 like that, but uh, it's a good movie. It, I like it's The too, Smiths. I don't know David Bowie songs
0: enormous cringy, cringy kids thinking they're indie and special and unique. Who cares? It's still a good story. With a good message and the ending is very important. Shut yeah, up, Alex. it
1: was it was a really good movie. It was one of the better coming to age films I've seen. Uh, not as good as eighth grade, but it was still good. So, and then <laughs> after that, uh, one of my friends from Simpson got covid-19, uh, the coronavirus. Uh, it's, a, it's a real serious thing, guys. Wear your mask. But I got sent home for two weeks, even though I tested negative twice. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that with Sick the dean. Of dude, Jake just refuses to get the, co- the corona <laughs> dude, dude,
2: I, dude, I just refuse it. to get tested.
1: I'm four. <laughs> and I'm negative. Four for four negative tests on the COVID. But we'll take that up with the dean of students at Simpson College, Luke Bohanic, a bit a- yo, later. Four,
0: a- yo, four for four. That's a series sweep, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, so I watched Room. With Brie Larson. freaking incredible. One of the most depressing movies I've ever watched. Yep. Uh, but really good. I watched Midsummer. We'll just... We might have to do an episode over that later. <laughs> we'll just, figure it out. <laughs> I watched Birdman. Didn't like it as much as I expected I would. Michael Keaton Whoa. is still pretty good in it. But uh, I, didn't, I didn't absolutely love it. I watched The Nice Guys, which might have been my favorite thing I watched. Uh outside of like maybe one or two movies this month with Ryan Gosling. It's so funny. And I think outside of La La Land, it's my favorite Gosling performance. Uh, we can maybe talk about that.
0: Name two Gosling performances. Oh, Blade Runner and The Notebook.
1: Drive. Dude, he's but, in a
0: lot. What are you... <laughs> yeah. Not a I challenge. Didn't think, <laughs> I didn't think before I talked.
1: <laughs> uh, Consistent
0: theme of easily, this podcast.
1: Usually the worst movie I watched, Birds of Prey. It was like... <laughs>
0: Yeah, why would you even watch that? <laughs> I
1: don't know. It was late, and every movie that I had like on my upcoming to watch list was like two and a half hours long. I'm like, I might as well just watch this hour and a half one. I mean, it wasn't horrible. It was about as middle of a road you can get for a superhero film, whatever.
0: I feel very. Ba- I feel really bad for. Me. I feel really bad for Margot Robbie because I watched a couple of interviews about it. I watched her Hot Ones interview, and she genuinely like put in a ton of time and effort. They really, really tried to make a good movie, and it just flopped. People just didn't like it. I, I feel kind of bad for her.
1: Yeah, that's okay. why you feel
0: bad for her. Uh,
1: Your hand. bad for women, uh, I watched Gone Girl. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. It's easily the best film I watched throughout quarantine. It was so good.
2: Wow. Oh. Above Nice Guys.
1: I think so. Next, I watched Cape Fear, which is also up there with Robert De Niro, directed by Scorsese. I don't know why this doesn't get talked about in like the up, upper echelon of Scorsese movies, but it is freaking amazing. And it is so intense and dark and depressing, but also like gets the adrenaline pump at the same time. It's so good. Oh, I'll fly- Heck, I'm not even halfway through, so I'm going to speed up. Uh, I watched Hot Rod for the first time. Hilarious. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Don't have to say much more about that. I rewatched Whiplash, one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, I think of many things. We did a whole episode on that. Go and listen to episode 22. I don't know, 22 or 23. Uh, I watched Drive. Liked it. Didn't love it. I thought it was good. Um, yeah.
2: Really brutal. Don't bring oh, up Drive. <laughs>
1: uh, I watched Tenet. We might have to do an episode on that later.
2: Uh, I still need to see
1: it.
0: No spoilers.
1: Mixed reviews for me.
0: Really? Uh, might, Devil, have have Manky, might have to have Manky on for that episode. He really liked it.
1: Yeah, if he doesn't <laughs> back out again. He's got to yeah. clear his Google schedule. <laughs> Devil all the time. We did an episode... Uh, episode 24, I think. Yeah. Sounds right. Episode 24. Uh, wildlife. Incredible. Incredible. Uh. Jake Gyllenhaal is so good in it. The kid, I don't know what his name in, in real life is, but he's amazing. Paul Dano really shows off his potential that he's got behind the camera, so I'm super excited to see what he can bring in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I watched Gangs of New York.
0: Yeah. What would you, what'd you think of
1: that? It was long. Yeah. Like really long. I didn't love I it. It's my dad's favorite, my dad's friend's favorite movie of all time. Really? He, like, he talked me into watching it in, over a couple movies. I thought it was good, but... uh.
0: I watched the first, like, 20 minutes, and I was very confused and very bored, so I turned it off. Yeah, it's,
1: it's not my favorite Scorsese movie. <laughs> so most people so. turn
0: off movies, Alex.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then I watched Fight Club and Seven. Seven oh, a lot better than Fight Club, I thought. Seven was really good. Yeah.
0: really good. Is it? What's seven on? Is it on any platform?
1: No, I just rented it. I wow. think.
0: I guess I gotta pirate it. If The FBI's listening. You didn't hear that.
2: And then, <laughs> I have to uh, Pittsburgh pirate and go watch baseball. <laughs> it.
1: Finish things off. Black Klan's been and The Shining. So I watched a total of uh, twenty movies this month. It was a it was a pretty productive quarantine. It's a
0: weak month for Nate Magic. <laughs> a weak week for Nate Magic. um i'll go next uh so i didn't really watch a whole lot i i watched a little more tv uh i only watched one movie that we didn't review so i watched what we do i'm thinking of ending things which i watched before we even wanted to do an episode on it uh so i'll I'll count that as different Uh, thanks black clansman devil all the time uh the shining so the movie i watched was Wildlife. Jake touched on it a bit. I watched this and I immediately texted you guys saying you had to watch it. It's beautiful. It's depressing. It's sad. It's Paul Dano's Paul Dano is Paul Dano's first movie. wrote and directed it. It was phenomenal. I honestly it, it had right. a lot of Paul, yeah. It had a lot of Paul Dano type feel to it. If you've any seen of any of his movies, so it's Jake Gyllenhaal's. Phenomenal in it for not even being in the movie a whole lot. Jake John Hall, when he is on screen, it's really good. Carrie Mulligan's really, really good in it too. It's it's a really good film. It's de- definitely depressing, so uh, be prepared to cry. Uh, and then I I finished Brooklyn Nine Nine, and then I started New Girl, <laughs> and then that was and then I'm watching New Girl right now. So that was my uh, that was my September. Wow, and that you was really my, that was my simp September.
2: Yeah, because you watched a uh, New Girl, that's why it's your September.
0: Hey, that, I'll say it, that show would be better without Zoe Deschanel.
2: I feel like that could be true for a lot of things. <laughs> L.
0: <laughs> hey, not Five Hundred Days of Summer. She was really good in that movie. I'd
2: rather have it be John Favreau instead of jo- jo- Zoe Deschanel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Five Hundred Days of Summer, but keep the same cast and then just cast John Favreau as. Summer. <laughs> Here's Johnny. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm gonna. What'd you watch in September?
2: Uh, in September, I was kind of in between the both of you. I didn't watch as much as Jake,
1: but I watched more than Alex. Hey.
0: Um. Huh. Uh,
2: I watched uh, Midnight Gospel. It's the show on Netflix.
1: I've heard really good things about it.
2: I don't know how to explain it. Um, it's like a podcast that they turn into an animated format, and they just have wild, zany, um, adventures going on in the background or. In the, the video, while it's just two people having a podcast-like discussion over top of it, it's very unique and it's pretty enjoyable.
1: Yeah, my uh, roommate was trying to get me to watch it.
2: That's say try it out. Um, I uh, watched a whole lot of Community my first few weeks. Okay. Uh, back <laughs> back up at college. Uh, yeah,
0: I great too, show. I guess.
2: If you haven't watched it, do it. Why you? No. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no. don't
1: all right ben you can do it with this in the background
2: i'm not gonna i'm moving on to a different <laughs> i was moving on to my next thing i was I done care. talking about that uh yeah um next i watched the big short fantastic movie um i don't know have you guys seen
0: it at all yeah what'd you say alex i saw i watched it a long time ago no okay. remember it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Thanks Jake. I had uh, to Cry Big Shorts amazing, great cast. Uh yeah, great dialogue. Uh it's very sticky if you don't like directing the camera and talking to the, and breaking the fourth wall and being very blunt with your writing, then I wouldn't recommend it, but it's a good film. Uh, I watched Old Joy. It's a film by Kelly Rickhart that was uh, recommended in one of Karsten Runquist's uh, "What I Watched" videos. The goat. And, yeah, uh, it's a very simple film. It's only about an hour long. Um, it's about just two men who go on a camping trip after they've Run were... back now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, they were <laughs> <laughs> they were friends, but now they're adults, and like they just take a break from their busy lives to go on a camping trip. Um yeah, it's a it's a very simple film. It's a very aesthetic y film, if I'm allowed to use that word. And with the soundtrack by Yola Tenjo, it's a good film. Um I started watching Bojack Horseman, which was uh I've heard very good things about it, but I never got around to actually watching it. The first few episodes I was not a fan, honestly. Uh, it was kind of redundant with some of the points that they were making and I didn't feel like the jokes hit at all but throughout the rest of that season and going into other ones the writing definitely improved uh, with the story and the more dramatic um, self evaluating moments and also with the comedy which was kind of the main draw that I wanted to see in the first place because
1: yeah I've heard that it's the best like Animated show about depression.
2: Really? I could see that, but I
1: I've mean I've heard that from a couple of uh well respected friends. It's a niche, bro. Uh, <laughs> I've
0: heard it I've heard it does get better as it goes on too. I heard it kinda struggles to find its legs at first. So it's good yeah, to, it's good. I'd say that's accurate.
2: Mm-hmm. Um I also watched the first couple episodes of All or Nothing, Tottenham Hotspur edition. <laughs> it's coming home. <laughs> it's coming home. Uh, if you don't care about soccer, plug your ears for the next 20 seconds. But they they completely skipped over. They only had like 10 minutes to talk about Mauricio Pochettino's uh time as the manager for like the first month or two, and then they just cut to him being sacked. And all they show really is just um, dang, they just completely uh cut out Pac being the manager, and instead they just focus on. Uh, Marine, Neal, dang on Jose. Yeah, they completely just focus on Jose for like the rest of the show, which was an odd choice. But I mean, honestly, uh, I'm just looking forward to see how bad of a season it really was last year.
0: <laughs>
2: Jake is a Tottenham fan. Are you going to watch it or?
1: I don't know. Uh, maybe <laughs> I've got yeah. to I've got a lot of my watch list where I don't really want to waste time watching the disaster of the Spurs season. If it was the year prior where they beat Ajax in the Champions League semifinal, I would have watched it the day it came out. But I don't know. I don't have too much interest in the in the downfall of the Spurs.
2: They talk about that for a little bit, but I don't know. I'll get back to you on if it gets better for the Spurs. Um, and very quickly I watched uh, rewatched parts of Arrested Development. Great show. Uh, I rewatched parts of It's Always Sunny, great show. And then I watched uh, the back halves of both Whiplash and La La Land.
0: How did you watch the back halves?
2: Uh, I came in and my roommate was watching them. Current survivor of the podcast. And uh, I was busy doing something, but I just sat down and finished the back half with them both times. Because <laughs> big back guy, big back half guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, so, I'll, so now for my, what I almost watched in, uh, September, oh
2: my gosh, no, no. <laughs>
0: um, number one, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. All right. End of the list. I, I said, didn't like, there's like three days where I was like, cause I saw Brie Larson's like end performance in it. And I was like, all right, I think it's time for me to watch it. And there's like three days where I was like, all right, I'm going to watch it tonight. And I I still haven't seen it. So. But shout out Brie Larson's performance in that. Actually, it's her birthday today, so shout out Brie Larson. Fan of the program.
1: Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> Brie Larson gets so much hate for Captain Marvel, which...
0: Okay, Captain Marvel was not good.
1: <laughs> the movie itself sucks, and I think that she gets too much unfair criticism as a human being, but her performance in Room is so freaking powerful and good. And it's...
0: She's good actors,
1: yeah. It's probably a top five performance as far as females go. And lead roles for me. Like it is, it is so good. Mm-hmm. Now, have
0: you seen it? No, I haven't. I've heard of it. I've heard of the good things. I'd
1: highly but, recommend.
0: Just well, then I'll watch it.
1: Just don't watch if you're depressed, because it's uh, I literally watched it. So it's about freaking isolation in a room, and that was the first thing I watched when I got back from uh. <laughs> when I got onto quarantine, like I literally got Bad down. Idea. I set up my Xbox and I watched this. And I'm like, well. This is what it's gonna be like the next two weeks, locked in my room. Well, <laughs> thanks for sending that in the chat, Ben. Uh,
0: You're welcome. Uh, the You <laughs>
1: Could send all uh, all email to at Dyke Isaac on Twitter, uh, the intern of the Turbo Team podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the Jack Nichols <laughs> for this week on the Turbo Team podcast. <laughs> uh, we want to thank, uh, thank uh, Jack Nicholson for sponsoring this episode uh, with his iconic line.
0: Here's Johnny! Uh, yeah! here
1: yeah. every Thursday in October coming out Fridays at, uh, I don't care, 7 a.m. with uh, We've got four more horror movies lined up for you. Uh, We have a couple guests lined up, too, and we'll look forward to seeing you uh, whenever. This is the Turbo Team Podcast. (laughs) It's about taking care of business. (laughs) Our social medias are linked in the bio. Follow us on Twitter at the Turbo Team Pod. You can listen to all episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform where podcasts are listened to. Thank you for listening.